Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Last week, I I shared with you that Jesus is greater than religion, that we're not to be tempted to follow worldly traditions, but rather to walk in Christ, and that to walk in Christ means that you are rooted down by God into his word to receive the nourishment you need, and then you are built up by Christ to slowly build your life in discipleship. And the one thing that we are to do, because God does the rooting and God does the building, is we are to abound in thanksgiving. This week, Paul takes us a little bit deeper into that notion and expounds from going from worldly traditions to focusing down on religious traditions. This week, we talk about the shadows of this world that cannot save versus the Savior who can Paul takes us deeper into this concept of religious practices. And as a reminder from last week, religion is not a good thing in Scripture. Every single time it's mentioned except for one, it has to do with the religious practices of the Pharisees. But the one true religion spoken by James is to take care of the widows and orphans. It's a caring for the vulnerable around you. It's a lifestyle. That's the pure religion, according to James. So this message may move us a little bit outside of our comfort zone today because Paul calls religious practices and traditions shadows. Let's dig deeper into that concept, the shadows of this world. Paul warned the Colossians against submitting to themselves to teachings and practices that were unable to save them. These had nothing to do with their salvation Jewish laws that were now fulfilled in Christ and pagan religion practices that were the vain fruit of human imagination. Now, neither these Jewish traditions or these pagan uh, uh, philosophies were able to curb the sinful desires to reduce the temptations that we have in our broken, sinful hearts. And they certainly have nothing to do with transforming lives. Furthermore, the teachers in Paul's day were judging members of the Colossian church for failing to follow these Jewish and pagan rules. And Paul responded to them, do not let them do it. Aestheticism and legalism are still very much alive today. This passage addresses people who have been saved from heavy-handed and false religions. Ironically, some Christians today are tempted to return to those old ways. Aestheticism is a self-punishing humility, a false pride in that humility. One of my favorite quotes from, I'm going to quote again from Guardians of the Galaxy because that's just one of my favorite movies. There's this character named Drax who is very incapable of reading the room emotionally and uh, seeing some humility in somebody else, Drax says, humility, I like it. I too am exceptionally humble. See, this legalism in addition to aestheticism goads people to do more, to be, to do more, to be better, to try to please God with our actions in hopes that God in his pleasure for our good works, will give us more grace. 
but these religious rules are just a shadow of the deeper reality that is in the substance of Jesus Christ. Because he and he alone has overcome the temptations of the flesh. And so if we too desire to overcome temptation, then religious practices have nothing to offer us but the Savior and the substance of the Savior does. Making an idol out of anything, even spiritual practices such as as fasting and self-denial, these only lead to shame whenever we fail. Or if we do an exceptionally good job, then it leads to pride. Legalistic rules and man-made religions are just shadows, and shadows cannot save us. So here comes the uncomfortable part. What are some of these shadow things that we encounter in our own Christian lives? Whenever we view baptism as a work that we do, to help please God, that's a shadow. Instead of viewing baptism as the supernatural means of grace where God promises to come into our lives with the power of the Holy Spirit to wash us clean through those waters, to put to death the things of this world and rise out a new Adam, a new life, refreshed and made new. Whenever we go to worship to please God, rather than have the opportunity to to put our roots down deep and receive his divine service back into our lives. See, I better go to church because that'll make God happy, and maybe, maybe if God is happy with me, he will bless me with more grace or good things. Or perhaps seeing something like confirmation as an act that we do in order to receive membership into the church and receive the Lord's Supper, and and perhaps even more so, we see this when a family who has not darkened the door of church until their child is time to be confirmed, and they go through confirmation, and after confirmation, we never see them again. That's viewing confirmation as an act and a work that we do, rather than a moment and opportunity for us to confirm the faith that we received in the waters of our baptism, and to see it as just a stepping stone A stepping stone as we continue our walk with God, learning more about him, deepening our relationship with him. Whenever we maintain the integrity of worship, because the liturgy is the one true way to worship God, rather than to see the liturgy as a best practice, a means of encountering a full experience of worship. Now, don't shoot me. But whenever we profess proudly to be Lutheran, rather than to just celebrate with God the fact that he moved one man in Germany several hundred years ago to discover and encounter the gospel and then to share it with the world. Now, I know we don't worship Luther. I'm just going to an extreme. Now, as we prepared for this year's chapel services at St. Luke's Lutheran School, we discussed using the first handful of weeks to teach about the different elements of a chapel service, to teach about the liturgy. It's good to know why we do what we do, not just to go through the motions, but to embrace and appreciate and value what each element of worship has to offer us. See, liturgy is not so much a rule as it is a good practice. Now, none of these things that I've mentioned are bad, right? 
They're not bad. Sometimes we can view them in a wrong direction or through a wrong lens, but each one of them is good, but each one of them is still only a shadow. These things are good, but when they become necessary for salvation, now we've misplaced them. And perhaps a a, a good litmus test for you this morning is Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but raise your hand in your hearts, in spirit, you're raising your hands. If you have ever asked that question, am I good enough? Have I done enough? Am I worthy? You see, that's thinking about yourself in terms of the law, in measuring. Have you measured up or have your demerits in sin detracted too much? See, not only this, but it also opens the door for us to pass judgment on others because if you take a litmus test of yourself and you ask, have I done enough? And you go, man, I have done so much. Look at those people who have done less than me. I worry for their salvation. Now we've gotten into danger zone again. And it's so easy to do this. I can think back to growing up in the Lutheran church and going to Sunday school and and being able to get a gold star for every Sunday that I was present. And then at the end of the year, I missed one and I didn't get the perfect attendance. See, sometimes we push and place priorities on the wrong things. These are shadows. Now, rather than measuring yourself by the law, we are to embrace and celebrate the freedom that we have in the gospel. See, the way of gospel brings freedom. I'm set free from a life that's bound by the law because Jesus has filled the law in my place, so there is nothing for me to measure up to. Because when the Father looks at me, he sees the measurement of his son, Jesus. And now with that measurement that I am enough in Christ, I am enough, then I am just free to live in a manner that God has designed me to live. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Now this is really the meat of everything. See, God never intended us to obsess over shadows. He intended for us to take the hint from the shadows that there was somebody creating those shadows because of his great light. That we are to focus on the source of that light, the light of the world, to focus on Christ and Christ alone. To have our hearts awakened, to come alive, to see the world in vivid detail through the lens of the cross and the empty tomb. Christ is the body. He is the substance. He is the reality of the coming world that we already have. The real deal. The real deal that's worth hoping for, living for, even dying for. Remember last week we talked about the whole fullness of the deity of God in Christ. That Christ contained the full power, the full authority, the full majesty of God wrapped up in human flesh. And now through the power of the Holy Spirit, that dwells in you. Being of one substance with the Father was Jesus. Is today still. The whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, the substance of forgiveness, taking on our very real sin, making a very real sacrifice and offering us very real salvation. This is substantive. Whenever we hear the word of God, 
Jesus is audibly present with us. Whenever we receive the true body and blood of Jesus in with and under the bread and wine of the Lord's Supper, he is tangibly with us. So real, a forgiveness so real, you can touch it and you can taste it and see that the Lord is good. And so Paul tells us to hold fast to Christ. Now, this is the whole focus of this pericope, the, the, the very kernel and core of everything, to hold fast to Christ. And he does this in two ways. Number one, he says that we are nourished through Jesus. And then he says that we are knit together in him. He nurtures us. When I heard that this week, I couldn't help but think about Jesus using that parable, explaining himself as, I am the vine and you are the branches. Right? If you're connected to me, you receive all the nourishment you need to show the fruit of the Spirit. To grow in Christ, you will receive all that you need. But if you're cut off from me, you will wither and die. There's that need to be nourished by the head that is Christ. We are nourished. Well, how are we nourished from the head? Whenever we hear his word and receive his sacraments, whenever we connect together face to face with other believers, that we are being fed, the body is fueled so that we can grow, that we can live, that we can care for one another, worship and praise and give abounding thanksgiving to God. Now, without a, a proper healthy diet, physically speaking, our bodies begin to wither and die. Right? Our organs start to eat themselves just for fuel. Our brain functions decrease in our capacity to think and process and logic and have understanding. Things like depression and anxiety grow and increase. See, our bodies need fuel to function at their optimum level. And our souls are so much more the same. Right? Without a, a proper healthy and diet, uh, spiritually speaking, our growth is limited. The body, the, uh, the body breaks down and, and increases its, its weakness. But when we're fed by the word and fed by the Holy Spirit and fed by a fellowship with one another, we grow strong and produce great fruit for the Lord. Even in those difficult times, when difficulties strike your life, Sometimes it can be tempting to wonder, is there a God who cares about me? But one who is connected to the head, who receives nourishment from the head that is Christ, experiences these difficult times and presses even closer to Christ to receive and know that in those difficulties, I need even more peace, even more strength, even more encouragement by the Son of God. We receive this nourishment from him. We also are knit together. To knit together means that, that we are, he creates and strengthens bonds between us. And one of those great ways that he enables these bonds to grow is through asking for help and extending help within the body of Christ. See, we, this, this help concept is, is a two-way street of blessings. The person asking for help gets the blessing from receiving the help. And the person providing the help gets the blessing of providing the help. It brings joy and completeness and grows you and knits you together. It's a blessing. 
And we are held together in Christ, although we love drawing dividing lines. The Christian church has done that through denominations throughout history. And this church does a little bit in the community, and this church does a little bit in the community, and this church does a little bit in the community. But imagine what would happen if multiple denominations within Oviedo, Seminole County, and Central Florida worked together, collaborated as one body of Christ. Imagine the impact in this community, knit together. Holding fast to the head from whom the whole body nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments grows with a growth that is from God. To remember that the head is the one who controls the rest of the body, not the other way around. The head guides and controls growth, alerts us to pay attention here and there. And I wonder sometimes in our own prayers if we try to do the opposite, if we try to manipulate God. God, this is what I would have us do today. God, this is what I would really like to have happen. God, please allow this to occur. Rather than praying, God, your will be done. Wherever it is that you would guide, lead me well today. Whatever it is that you would have me encounter, equip me with every spiritual gift necessary to face whatever struggle, whatever challenge, whatever blessings, faithfully. Growth from God. I see growth with a growth of God as being sanctification, right? God says, you are sanctified, you are holy, you are made just the way I want you. I declare it to be so. Now start to live like it. And each and every day, just grow a little bit more into the person who I've already declared you to be. There's no fear of failure. There's no no measurement. There's just, you are holy, now live more holy. Take on and transform into the image of my son. And he empowers this. This is a life of renewal, reducing old unhealthy habits that we have and developing new healthy habits as we are transformed by Christ in his image. This renewal comes from the inside out, not from shadows of this world, but from the very real substance of the Son who transforms us by the renewing of our mind. He reduces the desires of our flesh. He refreshes our souls. He enables us and reshapes our lives to more closely match his own. Do not look to shadows for salvation, but to the very source of light, the light of the world. And in Jesus, be nourished, be knit together, and experience the growth of God. May the peace that passes all understanding keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.